Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T, to my bed crimers. Hi, how are you? I hope you're doing well. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Thank you for checking out the channel. Do me a favor, if after watching the video you find you enjoyed it or you learned something, smash that like button and please consider subscribing. And if you want to support the work I do, please consider a membership. I keep the price really low, $1.99 a month. Hey, that's much less than even one drink from Starbucks. Now, without further ado, let's dig in. I think it's safe to say that Charlie Adelson's primary motive for hiring some hitmen to do in his former brother-in-law, Dan Markell, was to ensure that his sister Wendy could move from Tallahassee, Florida to South Florida permanently with her and Danny's two sons. It could also be argued that Charlie hired the hitman to please his mother, Donna, and also because he himself despised Dan Markell. Miami is more than seven hours away from Tallahassee by car, thus it was inconvenient for the Adelsons to visit Wendy and the boys there, and Donna and Harvey Adelson were apparently unwilling to move to Tallahassee to solve this problem. Mere days after Markell's death, Wendy, her sons, and her parents hightailed it down to Miami. In fact, they left so fast and without warning to the Tallahassee police that the cops were unable to interview Donna and Harvey. The Adelsons had previously agreed to speak to the police after Dan's memorial service, but they failed to keep their promise. Wendy and her parents and sons moved into a luxury condo called the Continuum on the southern tip of South Beach. The expansive condo had enough room for the whole family, and it cost them just $13,000 a month. You may recall that Donna told Wendy that the family would be willing to pay Dan Markell $1 million to try and coerce him into allowing his young sons to move permanently to South Florida. If Dan had accepted that deal, Donna and Harvey would have had to pay one-third of the million, Charlie another third, and Wendy the final third. By all accounts, this offer was never presented to Markel, and even if it had been, he would not have accepted it. Now let's talk about the motive for the hired hitmen, Sigfredo Garcia and Luis Rivera, and Garcia's common-law wife, Katie McBanoa. Their motive was very simple. Money. Today I want to review the monies that were exchanged between Charlie Adelson and the hitmen plus McBanoa. I'm not saying Donna exchanged any money because although she's facing charges in connection with Markel's death, she hasn't been found guilty yet. The money offered to the hitmen and McBanoa almost seems like a drop in the bucket compared to what the Adelsons said they'd hand over to Markel. The total amount that was to be paid was one-third of a million dollars, $333,000. Initially, Charlie Adelson had just $138,000 in cash to hand over to Katie McBanoa for the crime. The rest of the money was to be paid monthly 
The agreement was that Charlie would pay Katie $3,000 a month on the night of the crime, which would be the evening of July 18, 2014. Donna and Harvey Adelson's phones pinged off cell towers near Charlie's house, and Donna texted Charlie to let him know that she was outside his house. It's believed that Donna went there prior to heading out for Tallahassee that night in order to drop off additional cash to be used to pay the hit Ben and McBanawa. Donna and Harvey only stayed there for about 10 minutes. No doubt this fact will come up at Donna's trial, and her defense team will be asked to explain why Donna and Harvey drove to Charlie's house that night. Now, the morning after the crime, Katie McBanawa distributed $100,000 in stapled damp cash as follows. $40,000 went to Sigfredo Garcia. $35,000 went to Rivera, and Katie kept the remaining $25,000. Garcia later handed $2,000 of his $40,000 to Rivera, so that Rivera actually walked away with $37,000. FYI, Rivera didn't deposit the cash because he didn't want a record of it at his bank. Some of that cash came from Charlie Adelson's stash, and some allegedly came from Donna, maybe. Katie started receiving checks from the Adelson Institute, which was Harvey and Charlie's dental practice, roughly two months after Markel's death. The first check was signed on September 17th of 2014. Every two weeks, Katie would receive a check for $407. The checks were signed by Donna Adelson, who had to have known that McBanawa wasn't doing a darn thing to make that money. I'm assuming the rest of the agreed-upon $3,000 per month came from cash and from other financial perks. In total, Katie received $18,000 from 44 checks written from the Adelson Institute. She only stopped receiving checks in May of 2016 when her common-law husband, Sigfredo Garcia, was arrested for Markel's death. You can bet that Donna Adelson's defense team is going to have to find a way to explain away those 44 checks that were signed by their client when Donna goes to trial. Now, in March of 2015, Katie received two airline tickets to travel to the Dominican Republic. In October of that same year, Charlie offered to purchase a cruise for Katie and her mother. And let's not forget Katie's Tata augmentation surgery. That surgery cost $4,595. What a deal. And a steal. That's just $2,297 per Tata costs you a lot more than that these days. A financial analyst who looked into the finances said at the trial that she could only find entries for two payments to the plastic surgeon from Katie McBanawa. The total amount for those two payments was just $195. The balance of $4,400 was paid in cash. Katie has claimed that she paid that balance. However, her bank records revealed only $2,000. $180 in cash withdrawals during the 10-month period prior to the surgery. Many believe that Charlie Adelson likely is the person who paid the balance. Katie's claim that she paid for the surgery in cash tips that she earned from her occasional work as a bottle girl in two Miami nightclubs 
doesn't necessarily add up. Katie's best friend, or one of them, Yindra Mascaro, testified that she and Katie could make anywhere from $400 to $500 on a good night, but they usually only made around $100 to $200 on an average night, and they only did the bottle girl gig maybe several days a week. This means that Katie's maximum earnings for a single month would have been less than $5,000. It's impossible to know if Katie or Charlie paid the balance of the Tata surgery because it was a cash transaction. But in the 12 months leading up to the crime, which took place again on July 18th of 2014, Katie made cash deposits totaling $15,000. This meant that on average, she deposited $1,250 a month. So that was life for Katie prior to Dan Markell's death. But then in 2014, post Dan Markell's death, Katie deposited nearly $74,000 in the bank despite her sporadic employment. Of that, nearly $47,000 was made up of cash deposits. And in the five weeks right after Markel's death, between July 21st and August 27th, Katie deposited $17,300. Whatever monies Charlie handed over to Katie, it was chump change to him. You see, between 2013 and 2016, Charlie was making between $3 million to $3.5 million a year. Why didn't I decide to become a periodontist? In May of 2015, Katie asked Charlie for additional financial assistance, but this time Charlie indicated that he'd be willing to loan Katie whatever she needed. So it sounds like there did come a point where Charlie was saying no more cash grabs. But in November of 2015, he must have been feeling somewhat generous again because he paid $1,600 to fix Katie's Mazda SUV. Now, in 2016, before Garcia was arrested, Katie got a 2001 Lexus sedan from Harvey Adelson. Katie's friend, Yindra Mascaro, testified that the car was in pristine condition. That car new would have cost $60,000. The title document said that Katie only paid $1,700 for the Lexus. However, there is no evidence proving that such an amount was actually handed over to the Adelsons. Fun fact, when Garcia was arrested in May of 2016, he was driving that Lexus. Sadly for Katie and Sigfredo, the Lexus was pretty much torn apart by the cops as they searched for evidence. Easy come, easy go. With their share of the money, Garcia and Rivera bought all sorts of toys. Garcia bought two cars, one of which was a 1984 Chevy Monte Carlo. He also purchased a 1997 Honda Racer motorcycle. For his part, Rivera also purchased a car, a 1996 Toyota Camry, surprisingly practical, and a 2003 Suzuki motorcycle. So everyone got what they wanted. The Adelsons got rid of Dan Markell, the guys bought vehicles, and Katie got herself bigger Tatas and a fancy Lexus. In the end, though, at least for Garcia and McBanawa, none of that newfound wealth could lessen the pain of their life sentences in prison. 
While they enjoyed some time in the sun, so to speak, ultimately they flew too close to it. Everything melted away once they were convicted. For Dan Markell's death, I wonder what they'd say. If we asked them, was it worth it? I also wonder what Charlie and Donna Adelson would say if we asked them that same question. Charlie's now stuck in a Florida prison for life, and Donna is currently jailed and facing charges that could also land her in prison for the rest of her life. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories.